out in the foyer. We'd love you to make your way into the auditorium. And uh, everybody else looks like they're seated. It's lovely to be in the church this morning. Don't you love coming to church? Yes. Where would you be? Anywhere else? Why, why would you? It's lovely to be here. Good morning to everybody online, of course, and uh, in our chapel service. Uh, I'm so looking forward to this, uh, this time with Jess. Um, but it's lovely to be with the church family. Jess, uh, it's lovely to have you here with us this morning. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. 25th of July. The 25th of yeah. July is a pretty special day in the household of the Van Drimmelens. Yes. And uh, this year I believe uh, that on the 25th of July, Scarlett, S-C-A-R-L-E-T-T, -T, that's yes. what she tells me, yeah. um, Scarlett turned five. She she did, and I reckon that on the 24th, or sometime leading up to then, there had been conversations with her mother on just how we're going to celebrate the 25th of July. Was there it was, birthday cakes? and? It was a whole year in planning. All year, all year yeah. in planning. And anyone with a four-year-old or a five-year-old knows what that's like, I'm sure. And so she's gone to bed at night, or you've gone to... Everyone's been waiting for the 25th of July... And, uh, and then you get up in the morning and it's her birthday and I'd love you to tell us what happened next. Yeah, well, um, obviously you should be very excited, shouldn't you? It has been, like I said, a big build-up to this big day and, um, but the 25th of July finally came and um, little Miss Scarlett was, um, you know, woke up and she was just feeling a bit crook and... Uh, had a bit of um, just complaining of really itchy legs and middle of winter you automatically think uh, you know oh, she's got dry skin and um, so just lather some moisturizer on her and um, you know Bob's your uncle kind of thing but no she it was she's like it's not working it's not working I'm like it's fine you just got to get used to it just we just need to keep putting moisturizer on it's, yeah, <laughs> she hadn't quite registered yet, like she knew, but she was too distracted by this frustration. And anyway, we, um, she had school and so we're trying to get out the door and um, getting excited and, and as I um, was just talking to her in the kitchen, she just had a bout of vomiting and I was like, oh, Scarlett, this has come out of nowhere. Were you feeling sick? And she's like, yeah, I'm a bit sick. And I was like, oh, okay, well, we'll um, we won't go to school then. It's kind of funny because every year, almost now, on her birthday, the 25th of July, she vomits. And I don't know <laughs> if she is just this, that much of a build-up and that's what happens or, or what. But, yeah, all her birthday parties, um, most of them have been cancelled or rescheduled because of that. Um, but, anyway, she had just a little bit of vomiting, so um, she kind of just took some time and had a sleep and um, and then later that day uh, we, you know, had her birthday dinner and we did all the presents and everything and um, when she was opening her presents, it, the, she was wanting this, um, like, book thing that has buttons and, you know, whatever. And it has these little symbols on it and um, she said to me, Mummy, I can't see the symbols. But if I hold it out there, I can see it, but I can't see it. My... So anyway, she wakes up with, um, yeah, but, uh, oh, sorry, she has, is saying that she's got blurry vision. And so I was like, oh, 
we've just had, so her birthday weekend, um, her cousins were over and we had a big, big sleepover and they covered her face in makeup as well as my sons and whoever else, my, um, the, the, whoever was around and willing to be painted got painted. And uh, so I just assumed some of this blurry vision was associated to makeup because I'm telling you it was, it was everywhere. And so we cleaned her eyes and, yeah, fair enough, there was a little bit of, um, you know, green eyeshadow hiding there somewhere and, um, but that didn't kind of help. And, um, you know, the next day she, uh, you know, persisted and just was unable to read um, the things that she normally would be able to read. And, you know, again, I just didn't think much of it. And uh, as so, she went off to kindy the next day, and um, and uh, was <laughs> complaining now a little bit of sore legs. But um, I, we had just spent the afternoon at Inflatable World on the Sunday, and you know, when you're five years old and you've got your cousins there, it's like non-stop jumping and running. And I would have sore muscles um, after that. And so I honestly, I just thought you know, the, the things she was um, complaining of was just as a result of our um, big parties, <laughs> party weekend. Um, and then, yeah, as I guess the week progressed, the teachers were a little bit concerned because she was starting to sleep a lot throughout that week and um, and she was just, um, you know, not her chirpy self and, uh, yeah, um probably by about, so, so her birthday was on a Monday and that was the morning that she first started, some of these symptoms started presenting and then by um, the Wednesday she was unable to kind of bend down to, to put her shoes on and it was too painful for her and, um, and then Thursday uh, she had, um, she pretty much just slept a lot of the day and she just didn't, um, I just assumed she must be a bit unwell and um, and then Friday she, um, we, I, I could notice she was getting very weak and so we went to the chemist and and um, I just chatted with them and, you know, I, I said that I think she's a bit crook and, have, and um, she's complaining of a lot of leg pain. Do you think that's something I should be concerned about? And they suggest it's probably a good idea to go see a GP. And so we went out and um, we went and saw the GP. And in our, um, they they could definitely tell something was not right with her legs. And at that point, um, they she saw a couple of doctors that afternoon, um, and they put it down to uh, a type of reactive arthritis. So. Um, yeah, that was pretty... For me, that was what they thought she had. And so I'm like, oh, she's got this diagnosis. Like, what does that even look like? Um, it's going, you know, is this something that's going to kind of present every time she's sick? Because uh, it's, it's pain. She's in a lot of pain. And she's walk, she walked like someone that would have, um, you know, some, some really tight joints. And so... Uh, we just continued to monitor her over the weekend and um, on that Saturday morning, you know, the way she was walking, it was that cerebral palsy style walk and so by that point you could see it in her arms and there was a lot of fatigue. So um, she, and then that afternoon she uh, uh, she, she collapsed and could no longer weight bear. So it was... Um, 
all these little things and I'm just like, oh, that, it's a pretty tough thing, this reactive arthritis, like... <laughs> Um, what's gonna, you know, how we, how do we manage this? We we um, anyway, and we came. I came to. We kept at home um, Sunday from church, obviously, <laughs> um, and I came still. And the family stayed home, and at that morning, I, you know, she was just still quite fatigued and um, and sore. And the doctors had said, look, if she begins to um, get very tired and struggles to wake up it's probably um, worth taking her down to emergency and getting her um, reassessed. And uh, even though she was fatigued, she was still quite alert um, up until that point. And then, um, yeah, Sunday morning, uh, it was just... She just wanted to lay on the couch and um, and not really move. She, by that point, was only really wanting to lay on one side of her body. It was um, quite sore for her, but... I couldn't see anything. She had no other symptoms to real... She didn't even have really cold or flu-like symptoms to indicate that there was anything else going on. And so you just kind of, oh, do you go? Don't you go? Um, anyway, so I came here on on um, Sunday morning and uh, during the, the worship and uh, there was a song playing. And the words in the song, uh, interesting, was... Um, uh, what's that one with the bones? These bones will sing, and because up until that point, I thought it was her bones, and she's got this arthritis stuff, and you know this is you know so invasive, and I'm just like singing this song over hers, and you know her bones will sing. She, you know this is just believing that um, she will have relief and 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 healing in Jesus's name, and so I was just singing these words over her, and um, and obviously. Uh, I had actually got up and shared over communion about the multitude in the multitude of our anxieties. His comfort delights my soul, and that was actually um, my devotion that morning. That scripture had given me the comfort um, that that um, what was going on just uh, in the midst of everything else of just life. You know, <laughs> it was all starting to pile up, and so. Um, yeah, I, it was just a, a real encouragement for me um, and to be able to share from the depths of um, my own heart and my own journey. And so I was just here with chatting with um, one of our lovely ladies that come here who's also a nurse and just sharing with her what was going on with Scarlett. And she's like, you need to take her down to the hospital. And so I left and I called um, the family at home and just to see how she's going and um, by that point, she was really struggling to stay awake and so um, we got the ambulance out and they took her down to the base and, yeah, started, um, obviously, we were quite concerned. Um, she really, did, that she could still walk um, at that point, but, you know, she, you had to hold her hand. Um, she couldn't wait bare on her own and so... Um, we, yeah, we just kind of um, navigated the hospital um, that way and obviously they needed to admit her because there was still a lot of questions and at that point um, uh, they'd tested her for a number of viruses and um, it had come back clear, although when they admitted her they'd do a f some further testing and so she would, she'd tested positive to um, what they called a para-influenza type 2 or type A or B or one of the numbers. <laughs> Is that many? Um, 
And so I was like, okay, this is um, interesting that she's got this virus. And so up until that point, the plan was obviously to run quite a significant amount of testing. But once she tested positive to this virus, um, it was just, okay, um, it, the, the viruses are doing lots of weird things in children's bodies at the moment. And so we kind of just hit a, a standpoint and, um, yeah, where, where there was just... It was just monitoring her, really. And I was noticing her getting worse and worse each day. We were there for a few days. Uh, but there was just... I just couldn't get um, any, any further with the medical team that was seeing her at that point. And so I felt um, they were comfortable with her being discharged. Um, and, and at that point, I was like, well, I, would, I think it would be um, helpful to just get another opinion just because I felt like um, in my heart of hearts that this was, there was something else going on. And um, which is really hard because you try not to like, you know, get all worked up in the moment and go, yeah, you know, you're not listening to me whenever. <laughs> but anyway, I didn't. I, tried, I held myself together, tried to be kind. And um, and so we moved on and we went and saw my um, my GP, which that was the only person I wanted to see. I just needed to see my GP because I trusted his um, his you know uh, with it, the way that he treats and advises and all of that kind of stuff because of my own journey, health journey. And so we were lucky enough to get in and to see him that next day, and he um, uh, was. He's one of those doctors, great, honestly, so good. But if you're a minute late, you miss your appointment. <laughs> and I, um, I, we, it was just so hard getting Scarlett out the door and in the car and just all of that mucking around. It took so long to get there. So we were late. And thankfully the nurses remembered her from just the few days before that they were there. and They couldn't believe how far uh, that she was still um, struggling and how, how um, worse it had, had gotten. So they really advocated to um, obviously be seen and, and thankfully um, we got seen straight away and it was all good. And he basically, he was, like I'm so grateful for his honesty, but he basically just said that I have never seen this before um, and you need to go back to the hospital. So he organised for us to see another specialist and, um, and we went and, and saw them and they kind of just... Uh, because see what had started happening at this point so she could no longer walk at all so when we first went into hospital she could walk and you could hold her hand by this point she was um he had to carry her she was so pain she could hardly even hold her neck up it was like you know the the body was just in absolute shutting down of some kind and um anyway and so she just um yeah, we, we proceeded to go back to the hospital to see another specialist who, um, uh, again, had never seen it. But thankfully, they began liaising with um, with the Queensland Children's Hospital and the neurological team down there. And so um, he was quite concerned that it was more neurological than a virus. And so um, just with some of... There was, by that point, obvious... Um, uh, all the, you know, when you do the reflex tests and things like that. So there was none of that. <laughs> she was, it was pretty much zero. There was, there was no response from a lot of her limbs. So 
yeah, she just um, they, they they proceeded to um, tell us about uh, or go through a million different things about what they could think it could be, but every single time it was kind of like, oh, just not sure. So we um, yeah we liaised with the team um, down at the Queensland Children's Hospital who um, strongly encouraged for us to head down because. Um, they had some ideas about what it could be and the testing that was required um, uh, was we needed to be done with them. So at that point, though, we were completely still in the dark. We just had no idea what was going on. All I knew is that she was just getting worse and worse. And by that point, um, we were in hospital and she is just um, almost non-responsive. There is just no movements happening in her body and we tried like you'd try and take her to the toilet or something like that and her um you know her legs she just couldn't even get her brain to talk to her legs to get this one in front of the other foot there was just nothing but she was refusing to sit in a wheelchair as well so oh it was just full-on um but i when i remember when they decided to send us to um, Brisbane and but still being completely in the dark um, and at that point still because all her vitals kept coming becoming like were really good so she was you know passing so many different tests and so it was it was really difficult um, because you just kind of get keep going to the side being sidelined by another emergency which is good that's fine but I remember sitting there thinking at what point um, will this become an emergency because I was seeing this every day this um, uh, just getting worse and worse and worse and like at what point is it going to get to the like will it be seen as something um, that we need to rush about but anyway you just kind of wait patiently and you're trusting and praying and (laughs) doing whatever you can and, um, and that kind of thing. And so, yeah, we were just, we were shipped down by the next day through um, the ambulance and um, that, was, that was a really hard night that, that night because it was just getting so bad and I just remember, like, feeling so in the dark and really scared and I've never felt that kind of fear before. Um, so it was definitely a, a, um, a very, very hard 20, like 24, 48 hours at that point when we were in the unknown, but knowing that it was um, beginning to escalate. And in the moment we got down to um, the Queensland Children's Hospital, they, she began aspirating just out in the waiting area, waiting to go into the emergency as they were... Um, as they were trying to check her in and there's this nurse at the front and she must be like, you know, the top-notch nurse in that department and she had about three or four phones and she's on one and the other one's on holds. There's others buzzing in the background and she's juggling all this thing and she sees Scarlett um, aspirating and uh, at, up until that point, she'd been... It turns out she'd been aspirating quite a lot but they thought this was a cough of this virus um, that she had tested positive to. So... She took it very seriously and from the moment that we got down there, she was rushed into um, their um, uh, area where there was just constant supervision and um, it was like every single symptom was not downplayed and 
And so we, you know, you went through, they did the, the, um, the team there were just amazing in, um, in listening and responding and, and obviously they had, um, they were of the idea of knowing what could be going on here and so she, um, she was uh, at that point, um, I don't know if we've got a photo actually, yeah, what, oh that's me, oh there, here we go. <laughs> I don't know if there was one where she couldn't lift her arms, but um, at that point she was like, there was no movement. She was at the point, she was like a floppy doll. And, um, but we were still had no idea what was wrong. (laughs) And I was so grateful that by that point, um, they were able to recognise that there was something serious going on and they had their ideas about what it was. And so we just continued to trust their, um, you know, what they were thinking and um, and all the different tests that they were running at the time. And the most important thing that they were um, concerned about by the time we got to Brisbane was her lungs because what had started happening is her lungs, her breathing and things began to become weakened and so that was what was quite concerning by that point. But by that night they had, um, they had uh, you know, done MRIs and spine tests and different things and, um, and she was confirmed positive for Guillain-Barre syndrome, which, yeah, that it's, I had no idea what it was <laughs> and I'm sure most people had never heard of it either. And, um, but basically it is a... It's an autoimmune uh, reaction to the bo- to a body fighting virus, and she she had had a number of different viruses leading up to the onset of this. And basically, it's just the body sees um, its body like the um, the auto- your immune system sees the body as a foreign object, and so it starts attacking at the feet, um, which explains why she was starting to get some funny sensations in her legs earlier on the piece and just attacks and is an ascending attack and so it just continues to go and go and go to the point where um, the, the last things to go are your, uh, those vitals, so your lar- those organs, um, you know, your lungs, your heart and things like that. And so that's when um, the machines will show the, um, that something's wrong but if it gets to that point, that's when it's, it's almost too late. So we were lucky that um, at that point they had they had the diagnosis and um, and we were able to just focus now on this recovery, which um, they explained to us that the, that she would have an eighty percent chance of recovery. Most and being young, it, it obviously worked in her favour as well. So um, that's all. That was um, you know. I, I, a Thursday evening that all of that came through and I, that was sadly not the wor- the end of it but um, when we when we uh, she was because she had such weakened breathing weak lungs um, she was had to be monitored in the ICU for quite a few days and um, you know I you just trusting their team and and I honestly believe in those spaces it is such a um, a remar- remarkable moments, miracles happen, happen over and over again in those places. And um, I know the medical team and all of that kind of stuff, they're just doing what they think they need to no- do in those moments um, of 
just um, setbacks or uncertainties. And there were times when it got really, really scary. And I um, remember one night uh, she'd had a really serious um, aspiration and it got, you know, right down here and um, they had to get the tubes down to suck everything out and it was horrible. And, um, and she could... she. By that point, she couldn't. Talk. She'd lost the use of all her swallowing muscles and her her speech muscles, and um, she was just like, I just laid there. There was nothing, um, and very little response anyway, other than her effort to 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 yell. And um, I remember feeling, you know, at one point, this that night when it had got quite serious again, and. Um, being very that that sense of being really scared and really in the dark and um, and feeling like this isn't the worst of it's not over yet and honestly that the song we were just singing today about um, you know in the morning he whatever however it went I'm so bad at remembering lyrics but it's like in the morning and then you know they wake up and then there was this breath in their lungs and it was just a brand it was new. And I remember coming back, um, so um, we would alternate who would look after Scarlett um, in ICU and I would go and have a sleep one night um, or, or sleep by her bed and that kind of thing. And so she, when she was, um, I had, I was over at um, Ronald McDonald's house staying over there and, uh, which they're amazing, aren't they, what they do. And I just remember, you know, feeling so out of control being away from um, being away from Scarlett and just not knowing what what was going on or what might happen that night, and you know it was like three a.m. waking up with a little bit of um, nerves and just going, try you know praying and knowing that um, whatever we walk in, whatever I walk into that morning, that um, I know that my God is sovereign and His hand and is there, and I um, is just so near and that peace and that confidence that we had um, throughout this whole time, it was just amazing. But I remember walking walking in and honestly I could not believe what I saw. She was like a little bit, she was sitting up and um, she was, there was life in her again. Uh, she was, she seemed to be breathing really well and I was just like, What? How did this happen? Like she's gone from being like just completely on a bed, unable to move, to all of a sudden the um, the physio is there and different ones, and she was just she was awake, she was alive, and there was and I just it that was it. I was like, cool, we're past it, we're moving on, <laughs> we can focus on recovery now, and that's what we did. We did. We um, spent the next couple of months. Well, you know, six weeks or whatever, rehab and learning to walk and re- learning to eat again and all of those different things. And, um, and yeah, and, and, and here she is now so well, um, continually uh, just surprising all the medical team, at, at just her spirit, her strong spirit. Um, and I remember that, like, one of the favourite things she loved in, ther- in her different therapy sessions was the music therapy. And the day she got her vocal cords back, so she could talk, she started talking, but she couldn't um, laugh and she couldn't sing because that uses your stomach muscles. And um, they had not returned yet. 
The day that came back, though, oh, my goodness. She, um, I don't know if there's a photo of her with a guitar and her, one of her cousins visiting, but she sung seriously at the top of her lungs with this, and it was This Girl Is On Fire by Alicia Keys. <laughs> and the whole ward honestly came running because it just sent shivers through that place because we hadn't heard her and you hadn't heard her laugh for weeks and it was the most beautiful sound and she started singing in the shower again <laughs> and it would echo through the ward and like the nurses that were musical, they were coming and like, she's getting these ranges and she's, you know, the melody and I don't know what they're talking about but she's doing it and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. I don't know, but she was doing it. And it was a beautiful, beautiful day. Um, yeah. She's still not fully recovered? No. So she's, she's walking now, obviously. Um, we've see, you've probably seen her around a little bit now. She's getting around. She's, um, she, she does, she's even um, moved past needing a lot of work aids and things like that, like walking aids. And, um, but the biggest thing we're probably managing now is um, pain and fatigue. And so, uh, you know, night times are really quite hard for her. And she gets what um, just really unusual sensations in her feet and in her body still. But one of those significant ones is her feet, where nighttime especially they just burn, and you touch them and they are hot. Um, and so that's really uncomfortable and painful for her. And that we don't know how long some of these things will progress for. Uh, but she's um, getting back to her normality. I think that was she was just so focused the moment we came back so focused about coming back to things that were her normal. And so that was obviously kindy and, um, and church and just uh, seeing her friends and all of those kind of things. And she is just, um, yeah. How important was your faith during this time? Look, I, I think the biggest thing through it all was um, obviously... I remember when we were out of ICU and they moved us to the neurological ward and um, that was kind of like a week I felt of somewhat of healing from what we had been through and it was she was still very um, bed, much bedridden but, you know, it was very stable. She was a lot more stable. And at that point, you know, my emotions and my anger and my, you know, all of those different things about different things that happened early on in the piece were starting to kind of surface and um, and I just, I honestly believe when, when um, you come to him and as he is just there um, supporting you and the, the best way that I can explain it is that we, on, I honestly felt like we were in the dark and it was a darkness I hadn't experienced before because it was so much unknown. It didn't matter how much I tried to look and ask questions or anything like that. There was just nothing and it was darkness and I felt that through that journey his hand um, broke through the shadows of darkness and were outstretched toward us, reigning as sovereign Lord and governing the whole thing and the timing. There were ordained timing. There was um, the way that we got before different specialists and things in those moments. I just could not 
deny um, and honestly just stand here today to testify about his sovereignty and how he was Lord, but also um, comforter and counsellor and just an ever-present peace through that difficulty. And, you know, we were asked, do you guys have a faith or something? And I don't know what we were carrying because we didn't, we didn't, um, we weren't, I was not there to pro- tell people about Jesus. Um, but that it was just, it was, there was something um, obviously in that space and, and, and he was there and it was wonderful to be able to um, speak and encourage some of the nurses that we got to know um, about our own journey. And so, yeah, I, 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 all I know is the most beautiful thing was knowing that he was there and in the moments it can feel that he's a part but it's as you look back that you're like, there he was, right smack bang in the middle, part of it all, you know. But what was even more remarkable is that faith um, has obviously led me to be part of this incredible community here at Civic and and I, we were like, it was, I think we'd spent about two weeks in hospital and by the time, and we had been flooded with love and prayers and support and um, and Jenna through my mum and organised for a heap of meals and, um, and just, and finances and things like that to be um, gifted to us. And the timing, it was just remarkable. We were literally carried through this by the, the family and the church and I... I was blown away. It moved me like no end. And I honestly think what kept us focused and what kept us um, continually hoping and moving forward was the hope and faith of my family and of you guys here. Um, I could not, we could not have done it alone. And I was even talking to Jackie this morning and she was just saying about how God places the lonely in families. And, And I really believe I'm already part of a family. I had no there was no opportunity for me to feel alone. There was no opportunity for me to feel abandoned or, um, or to stay in that darkness. I was so strengthened by the wonderful family of God. And, um, and so my faith constantly was just fed and strengthened in that capacity, yeah. Sadly, our time is gone. Yeah. Um, but what I'd <laughs> love to do right now, oh, I think we're all still quite happy just to sit, but... Um, what I'd, what I'd wonder, would you please pray? Um, I'm going to ask in a minute for people that may be going through things. I mean, you've been explaining this incredible roller coaster that you had no, no idea about. And three months on, we're still probably still, we're most of the way through it, but you're still, you know, having to work with it. And, uh, and yet you're here testifying about how your faith has sustained you and Mick the family and how important your, your church family as well as your own family is. Um, but I, I, I don't think if there's anyone better to pray than you out of that experience. And so right now I'm going to ask every one of us just to close our eyes. Um, and I ask them to close your eyes because, you know, if there are people who are going through tough times, I don't necessarily think it's important that everybody else sees us put our hands up. Um, to be able to go, oh, they must be, oh, they're having a tough time, oh, they're having a tough time. So we're all closed our eyes, no one's looking around. But if you are going through a tough time, it may not be with children, it may be with some other things, it could be with sickness in your own body, it could be 
jobs, it could be uh, financial issues, it could be relational matters, it could be any number of things, but it's hard. It's hard going and you've possibly felt like that you're on this roller coaster and it's just come out of nowhere. If you'd love just to pray for you right now, I'd love you just to put your hand up. Thank you. Yep. Thanks. Yep. All right. They're all over there, Jess. I don't know if you saw them, but there's a number number of people who've just been put their hands up there. And so we've seen those hands. And Jess, I'd love you just to pray for them. Would you please do that? Father, I just, I thank you so much for your concern and your cares and your love for, for all of us here this morning. And I find it remarkable that um, you're drawn and you've, you know, you're drawn to our difficulties, to our brokenness, and you're drawn to respond. And one of the greatest things that you have to give is your grace and your mercy. And that is extended towards us forever, forever. And this is the year of God's favour, which is the year of His grace. This is the year, the moment that He wants to continually to support and to uplift and to grow and to um, enable us to have the strength to endure whatever difficulties and battles that we are facing. Because I know for me personally, the battle's still going on. There are still things in the background and in the unseen and it's the things that people don't see that can actually weigh us down the most. And so Father, I pray for every person here that is experiencing the wear and tear of life, whether that is through the big um, dramatic moments or whether that is through things that people are are rarely even aware of. I just know that you are right there and I pray that your ever-present help would just guard their hearts today from despair. And Lord, as their faith is placed constantly in you, that their hope grows. And we talked about this living hope, but I just pray right now that that faith, it is not a faith that is or a hope that is driven or planted in fantasy but is stemmed from a love that is rooted in rich history and a history that extends far beyond our now a history that extends and a future that extends into eternity we are not alone and we are supported by your hand and you are here to guide each and every one of us and I just know that you are going to continue to extend your hand to every single one here this morning and as we go out into our week in Jesus name. In Jesus' name. Amen.